Welcome back to following Noah Donna Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 176, and we're going through chapters 25 through 31 of the Hero of Ages. Paul, how are you? Marvelous. As always, coming off of a big trivia win last week and uh, ready to try and bring it back even further this week, maybe. That's where my mind is. Um, we're also reading Hero of Ages, a wonderful book. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that too. Elliot, I'm doing I'm doing great. I've got my Bridge Four socks on tonight. I'm ready. See, I also uh, have my Bridge wow, Four socks on. Wow, I missed the memo. So I, I am the memo. Prepared. prepared. I fell out of my chair trying to show you, but I'm ready. Wonderful. <laughs> we have. Some more spooks, spook reveals. We have a State of the Union address from Vin, how as I like to call it. Um, we have Ellen and Vin decide to crash a party, and we leave them kind of in the middle of the party mid-episode, or at the end of the episode, I should say. So next episode, we will get to find out what happens on most of that party, but they kind of just arrive at the party for this episode. Let's roll intro, and then we will have Elliot do a brief summary of chapters 25 through 31. Take it away, Elliot. Okie doke. Chapter 25 through 31. Ellen and Army arrive at Bat Fadrick City. Help me pronounce that one. Yep, Fadrick City. Simple. Okay. They find that it is fortified against them. Men has uh, anticipated their arrival and is ready for them. We jump over to Spook and get some very interesting information about him. He's Recovering from his ordeal, the attempted execution of him, he has some new powers, and we get some hints as to maybe why, and he's definitely still hearing Kelsier, or what he thinks is Kelsier, in his head. Vin, back over with Ellen and Vin in Chapter 27. Vin goes into the, into the city to gather information, almost, but doesn't meet up with Hoyd and uh, does get some information though and uh, and comes back with it and Ellen and Vin decide to sneak into the ball to meet up with Yeoman and they do so we go back to Spook and Sazed and Breeze in chapter 29 Sazed meets with the citizen and they have a, a nice threatening conversation back and forth Back to chapter 30, and Vin and Ellen are still at the party, doing party things, and then more chats with Sazed and Breeze and various folks about religion in chapter 31. And that's kind of it. Sounds good. We start off with them arriving at Fadrix, and Vin, in chapter 27, goes on this little spy mission. She goes jumping around the city, and there's three major things that happen. The first one I'll get back to in a second. The second one 
she looks at her list of informants from Set, and Set says, yeah, Hoyd is this beggar, and you can go meet him in the square. And I'm not sure if this is like a deliberate tease from Sanderson at this point, because at the point of writing this story, it's not like we have consistent Hoyd like stories like we do in Stormlight. He's not like dangling this in front of us and then taking it away. It's more like it's more like a name drop because this was dropped in Elantris. It was Hoyd was Hoyd's name was dropped at the in the first book of Mistborn, the final empire. And so if you're paying attention at this point, then you'll be like, well, wait a minute here. This is a recurring character. Kelsier met with Hoyd in the final empire. So that's all that Hoyd really is at this point. What did you guys think of this almost Hoyd encounter, but not quite as a, as a stormlight reader, this isn't too spoilery. I'm disappointed that we rush with Hoyd, but don't actually get to get to talk with him. But I don't think we saw him at all last book. I was looking for him. I was, I was promised Hoyd sightings and I, I didn't notice so, one, which makes me feel like I probably missed it, but. So you're not alone. I also missed it. But as our comment section told us, he's there. We just missed him. Apparently he oh, is yeah, in. Apparently he's in the convoy of Harrisman that Elend talks to, and then he turns around and goes back to Luthadel. So he apparently Hoyt is in that group, and there's a words of Brandon that confirms that, but that's really the only way to know because there's no real discernible way to know he's there. But he technically oh, is I there. I do remember that comment, and that's the only way I ever would have known. Right. I, I never could have picked it out. Even if I read the entire book, probably only for Hoyt, I probably wouldn't have found him, honestly. But it is really cool, and I, I think this is a pretty neat one. Um, I also am thinking back, Trevor, you said that Brandon's words about this series in retrospect, right? Wasn't he saying if he went back and rewrote this series, like, was writing this series now, let's say, he would have made Hoyt a little more prevalent. Was that right? He wasn't, like, fully confident in having Hoyt be part of everything? Yes, correct. At this he, stage. He was a little bit more shy back back then, um, Mistborn Era 1, of having crossover between, uh, between books. It was... Hoyt, to start, was more of just a, oh, I recognize that name from the from this other book that I've read, and it wasn't meant to be anything beyond that. By the end of Miss Morn Era 2, that's not the case. <laughs> so does this count? Does this count as a Hoyt appearance, or does it not? I think it counts because before, like, without the name Hoyt being dropped, I did recognize that this was Hoyt. He was... I had all the red flags. He didn't care about the currency on this planet. He didn't like. He talked a lot about stories and storytelling and you're, things like that. Like, you're not talking about. You're talking about Slow Swift, which we'll get back to in a second. Two different people here. Okay, maybe I'm misunderstanding then. But I know after that they mentioned like, oh, the other informant's name is Hoyd. 
and that we don't get to talk to him. I was under the influence that this was Hoyt that we were talking to, and his name he was going by Slow Swift. And it's like, oh, haha, we don't actually get to talk to Hoyd, but we just talk to Hoyd. That's what I was fully assuming here. Maybe I'm wrong. Two different characters. Vin jumps into the city, meets with Slow Swift, who is, who is informant number one. After meeting with Slow Swift, then jumps t- over to this random courtyard who is named, like, the beggar in the courtyard is named Hoyd, and then Vin kind of gets spooked and runs away and doesn't actually meet with Hoyd. But I do want to talk about Slow Swift here. Uh, l- let me read the description of Slow Swift. A lone figure sat on the balcony, fitting this, the description in Set's instructions. Those same instructions gave this informant the nickname Slow Swift. The old man appeared to be reading by the light of a lamp. Vin frowned, but as instructed, she landed on the balcony railing, crouching beside the ladder that would have allowed a more mundane visitor to approach. The old man did not look up from his book. He puffed quietly on a pipe, a thick woolen blanket across his knees. Vin wasn't certain if he noticed her or not. She cleared her throat. Yes, yes, the old man said calmly. I shall be with you in a moment. Vin cocked her head, looking at the strange man with his bushy eyebrows and frosty white hair. He was dressed in a nobleman's suit with a scarf and an overcoat that bore an oversized fur collar. He appeared to be completely un- uncertain, uh, unconcerned about the Mistborn crouching on his railing. Eventually, the old elderly man closed his book, then turned toward her. Do you enjoy stories, young lady? Who is that, gentlemen? It's still just Hoyd in my mind. I don't know. I can't think of... <laughs> As I was reading at that moment, I turned over my notes and I wrote down Hoyd sighting exclamation mark, very, very ready to assume to jump to this was Hoyd. But then, Trevor, as you said, it's a couple of pages later where Vin finishes the meeting with Slow Swift and then says, oh, OK, next informant on the list, Hoyd. And then you like almost has that. And so at that point, I was like, oh, well, that wasn't Hoyd. Well, who was it? So. This character is confirmed not Hoyd. This character is Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien. Brandon Sanderson gives Tolkien a cameo in The Hero of Ages. And he is sitting here on the balcony talking to Vin. The um, Later in this dialogue, he talks to about Set that Set is one of the best poets he's ever known, but everything needs to have a meaning. And that bothers Slow Swift. Any reactions to this, gentlemen? Okay, so when you mention that, okay, I'm not going to talk about him, Tolkien, for a second. When you mention that, I thought, and, and I'm, I quickly tried to Google this, and I think I'm wrong. I thought Slow Swift was maybe one of the names of one of the Ents in the book. It is. In, um, I think, the Two Towers. It's Quickbeam is what you're thinking of. but Yes, that's who I'm thinking of. But yes, he's deliberately named like the, he's deliberately named Slow Swift as a moniker of a Tolkien type of name. Interesting. So I understand that this is Tolkien. Yes. 
but my question is, wh- why? Why why did Brandon Sanderson put Tolkien a cameo in his books? I think that's neat. I've I don't know if I've ever seen that before in, in a book. You know, so I'm 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 curious. So I don't know the answer to your question. And I didn't know this was Tolkien until I went to Dragonsteel and was told this by someone else. And then I looked it up and Sanderson has confirmed in a, in a Q&A that he deliberately put Tolkien in here. So I don't know the answer to your question. Maybe there, maybe there's an answer out there somewhere that I just haven't found. That's definitely a pretty cool Easter egg, largely because it's so buried. Like you, yeah. you have to, you have to dig for that one, and that that's pretty cool. I I would not have come to that conclusion, although I, I flipped to the page just because I wanted to, like, read the description of him again. And th- there is one thing in that first kind of interaction that does stand out. He he says, like you said, do you enjoy stories, young lady? What kind of stories? The best kind, of course. The kind about monsters and myths. Myths is Tolkien's thing, for sure. Like yeah. he, he talks all the time about you know writing myths, and myth maker is like a title he referred to himself by in some uh, in some of his works, some of his poetry, and so yeah, that's pretty cool. Do you guys remember me telling you that Tolkien had a cameo in Mistborn? I told you this at the beginning of the Final Empire. I think he I think I think I do remember that, but I, I took it as like oh, you know, maybe like Kobos resemble a troll or so you know, some right. like similarity between Middle Earth and where we are. <laughs> um not not like oh, oh no literally J R R Tolkien is on the pages of the book like right. he, he is written into the story. I wasn't expecting that. I did not think that's where what you meant by that. Which is, I'm still kind of taking it in. I, I, I think that's kind of crazy. I think that's pretty neat. So, are there any other authors in any of his books ever? Not, I mean, not that I know of. He'll he'll put in he'll put in his friends. Like a lot of Bridge Four are his real life friends. Mm-hmm. Or Michael Whalen, we we met earlier in Mistborn. He's like the Scott Beggar dude in the pits of Hathsin that we get a random POV from him. Um, but as far as like direct other authors just put into a book, I, I don't know if it happens again. Um, and I don't know why he did it. Maybe we could ask him someday. The last part of this chapter is what she goes to slow swift. She goes to Hoyd, and then she finds that she's being tailed by either a mistborn or like a, a mist spirit is what her first instinct is. But then it like extinguishes its metals as if it knows that Vin can pierce copper clouds. So does, does Yeoman have a mistborn or is the mist spirit back? Have we seen the mist spirit yet? We haven't caught up to it, right? Like she keeps, Ben keeps mentioning that she sees this spirit in the mist, but we haven't actually caught on to it. But 
She like but since tries, but since the well of ascension, have we seen the mist spirit? I don't think we have. No, I don't think we have since Well of Ascension. Yeah. And it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me at all that Yeoman would have a Mistborn. Right. In order to hold control of a city and an entire region, we've learned how crucial Mistborn are in the geopolitical whatever you want to call it. So would it surprise me? No, definitely not. Yeah. I I will probably go out on the on limb and say this is not the the mist spirit. I feel like if the mist spirit is going to come back into the story, it'll be more pronounced than this. I think this is just a sneaky mistborn that uh, knows that Vin can pierce copper clouds for some reason, which we still don't know why that. Like she, she even thinks to herself, "I still don't know why I can do this, but me and the Lord Ruler could do this, and that's all we get." Yeah. So. Maybe that'll come back more relevant again. She she does also drop a kind of out of context comment here as she's thinking about that Miss Spirit. She she thinks to herself about how when she feels the Miss Spirit around, she can tell that it's not ruin. She she can mm. compare the feeling to what she felt at the Well of Ascension when Ruin was released, and she seems very confident that the mist spirit is not ruin. And I was trying to mull that over and decide if that's new information or not. And I'm not so sure. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think we saw the mist spirit act against the interest of ruin there at the well of Ascension, but I'm, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that there's only one mist spirit. There might be more, right? The mist we seem to be directly equating to ruin. So for the mist spirit to not be ruin seems odd. Yeah. I don't remember the specifics on it, so I'm not going to hypothesize because I always hypothesize correctly on these types of things. So I'm going to keep my mouth shut. We... I think it's still in this chapter, maybe the chapter after. Vin and Ellen kind of had a have a debrief or a, a state of the book, state of the plot um, dialogue back and forth, and I want to read it to you guys. Ellen, Vin said, Tonight I told someone that I'd stop the ash from falling and turn the sun yellow. Ellen raised an eyebrow. The in That informant you spoke of? Vin nodded. The two sat in silence. I never expected you to admit something like that, he finally said. I'm the hero of ages, aren't I? Even Sazed said so. Before he started to go strange, it's my destiny. The same destiny that said you would take up the power at the Well of Ascension, then release it for the greater good of mankind? Vin nodded. Vin, Ellen said with a smile, I really don't think destiny is the sort of thing we need to be worrying about right now. I mean, we have... Proof that the prophecies were twisted by Ruin in order to trick people into freeing him. Elliot, how much credence can we give the hero of ages? In, in, one, in what sense? The concept of the hero of ages, like at all? Like the direct prophecies of the hero of ages will turn the sun yellow, will fix the planet, that type of thing. Is that all fabricated or is there, is there truth? Is there still true parts to it that, that Ruin didn't mess up? I mean, great, great, great question. 
maybe the question of the book, it's titled The Hero of Ages, right? after all. the It seems, based on the information we got at the end of Well of Ascension with all of Ruin's tampering, like, no. It seems like The Hero of Ages was completely fabricated to free Ruin. Ruin wrote it into a religion, maybe lots of religions, to get somebody to come take the power and release the power and set Ruin free. So do I think it's a valid something they should be putting stock in? Probably not. But at the same time, it did seem like there was a running theme of Ruin not necessarily introducing new information, but taking existing information and modifying it. Okay. So is the Hero of Ages a thing and Ruin just adopted it and made it what Ruin wanted it to be, maybe? Solid maybe? Okay. So then if that's true, so if, if the Hero of Ages is a thing, but we don't necessarily know what the Hero, Hero of Ages needs to do, what do you think the Hero of Ages needs to do? Save the world, obviously. By doing what? <laughs> I don't know. By beating uh, the bad guy. It's... It, that, that's a big question. It, it's a really big question that I don't... Even two and a half books into, into the trilogy here, two and a third books, I'm not sure I have all the pieces to know exactly what we're trying to solve yet. Right. I think we firmly can place Ruin into on the bad side of the, of the scale. Ru Ruin is out to just destroy and crush and make life miserable. That seems to be Ruin's purpose, as we've seen through... Marsh's perspective pretty clearly. So stop ruin seems to be the request. Okay. How you do that? No idea. Okay. What what's required of of that? I don't know. Still not quite sure what's all going on with uh, preservation. We know we know more about preservation's power now, but like is is preservation around active? Embodying someone, don't know. Yeah, it is interesting how how you look at the hero of ages like that titled differently throughout the story. Like if you picked up this series and started reading, and you knew that the third book was called the Hero of Ages, and you knew, you know, the Hero of Ages that title is mentioned a lot throughout the whole story. Starting out on the book, you you'd think the Hero of Ages is who defeats the Lord Ruler, right? That's who's going to free everyone from the Lord Ruler. Like, starting out in the book, you probably think that's where it's headed, right? Picking it up for the first time. And then, you finish book one, you realize, okay, um, not that one. Okay, something else. Um, and then there becomes, it's a little bit ambiguous. Like, I think Elliot touched on this a little bit, but it's a little bit ambiguous. It's like, is it the mists? Is it the inquisitors? Is it ruin? Like who's really bad here? We we now have a lot more perspective into ruin and the inquisitors in that relationship. So it's very much like ruin is the root of a lot of the evil here. And so maybe it's is the hero of ages supposed to defeat ruin? Is the hero of ages like there's we've talked about this a little bit I think, but like the Lord Ruler, right? 
he we we start to learn after the first book we start to learn that the lord ruler's powers some of them are actually kind of good like things seem to be i say that lightly i say that lightly of like no there's things with the mist there were a lot of things we didn't understand about what the lord did yeah I, i agree with you i would just put the word interpreted in there like the powers of the lord ruler the lord ruler could be used at for good or could be used for like to be good but yes i, I wouldn't yeah. say the lord ruler as we met him in the final empire was using them for good that's a good distinction yeah we know that like there's dynamics with him and the coloss and the chondra and sword of the mists maybe there's a lot going on there there was way more than what i guess met the eye in the first book and so it's like is the quote hero of ages is it supposed to take the lord ruler's place it's it's all of elliot's right like we don't really have the the full context of what we need we know that the lord ruler is this legend that's supposed to save everyone but we don't really know how from what i guess we kind of know what from what now or we have a good guess but it's still like i could see it going either way you know it could be something different there's just a lot of missing pieces still i feel like we have the whole border of the puzzle done but like the middle like the center bit is all like not quite there you know i still can't tell what i'm looking at so but we know it is a puzzle i guess to extend your your puzzle metaphor slightly further, I think it's a great metaphor. I that makes perfect sense. I, I had something I was going to bring up that I was not going to take it in the direction of the conversation we just had there about kind of the purpose of the Hero of Ages, but but it's kind of related. I, I reference your puzzle though because it, I feel like this is not adding a piece to pu- to the puzzle, but rather taking a piece away from our from our puzzle here. Here's the connection I want to maybe tenuously draw for you guys. Chapter one, the epigraph says, I am unfortunately the hero of ages. Okay. Which somebody in our Discord pointed out, like, oh man, I was expecting a lot of conversation about that. I, I have no idea what to com- conversate about, about that. We, we know someone's a hero of ages. Here's the connection, though. Ready for this? Chapter 31 is a Sazed perspective chapter. And right in the middle of it, completely buried in totally unrelated stuff, there's a moment. I'll just read it. This is not dialogue. This is is outside the dialogue, so it's in Sazed's head, I guess. Okay. It just says this. The others turn to look to Sazed. I am, unfortunately, in charge. Italicized in a very strange way. And I read that. And then I read it again. I was like, where have I heard that? That, that phrasing is, is rather strange. And then it, it, it hit me. That epigraph from chapter one, I am, unfortunately, the hero of ages. That is suspiciously similar grammar i'll just say that funny like highly suspiciously similar grammar 
It doesn't say the same thing. It just says I'm unfortunately in charge. Take that out of context, you know, means nothing. But just the number of commas, the seemingly specific insertion of that word, unfortunately, what what the heck does that mean? Did you catch I that? Wonder, Did you guys notice that? I didn't. I wonder if I could find somebody else who has that same diction. Because you're right. Like the the same the same tone, the same punctuation on, on the page, I should say. But I wonder I wonder if I could find something to like disprove that that they're similar and that's just a coincidence or something i don't know it the conclusion i feel like i want to jump to here is we've been reading all these epigraphs they've been sharing tons of cool information which has been great uh -huh. we were assuming based on the events of last book at least i have been that it's vin right that vin's the hero and of ages she makes this right? she makes the same assumption right right yeah yeah right yeah. we were just talking about that she she claims she's the hero of ages but the, the epigraphs don't really seem to be written in her voice vin's not super expository she doesn't sit there and explain things to you like mm. the the epigraphs tend to do so i've been a little hesitant to jump to it's it's vin and then something like this gets dropped, where you're in Seizid's head, and he says something in the exact same way that it's communicated to you in one of the epigraphs. Is it Seizid that's writing the epigraphs? Is it his voice? It would seem he is very expository. He will sit there and explain hemolurgy to you. But he's not the hero of ages. Right. Right? I mean... Right? I'm not going to confirm or deny said theory. I like it, though. I like this theory. I don't know if I've it's, ever seen that one. It is such a tenuous little thread to tie the two of them together. Uh -huh. But it just seems so, I don't know, specifically worded. I'll leave it at that. It's an, it's an interesting catch. That's not what I thought we were going to be discussing on this Spook and Sazer <laughs> chapter, but okay. Interesting. So, man, I cannot get that out of my head. Uh, the, the, the Spook, the, let's talk about Spook and then we'll get back to Sazer here in a second. Um, I think I spoiled what happened to Spook last episode. <laughs> I'm, cause we, but I feel a little bit better about it because we get a pretty definite answer in this episode. So I, I don't feel that bad about it. I only spoiled it like two spook chapters ahead of time um, because it's pretty obvious at the beginning of what is chapter 26, the spook chapter where he's like, yes, I've got a part of a sword sticking out of my shoulder. I'm going to pull that out. And then the voice is like, no. So, I mean, if you wanted if you if you wanted proof of a theory that I accidentally dropped, there you go. I I mean, and I was having inklings of something along those lines, and was was ready to spin some crazy theories, thinking it was like end of the book stuff, and then that's when you kind of jumped in and maybe connected a few pieces to the hemolurgy aspect of it. 
And then, yeah, sure enough, two chapters later. Oh, and by the way, there's a spike in him. Wait. Okay, there it is. Right. But so, so now that it's pretty much confirmed for us, are we going to talk about Kelsier and him taking credit for giving him pewter? Like, what is going on? I don't know the answer to this. What is going on? That the the voice is saying, I gave you pewter. He doesn't mention anything about heme allergy. Apparently is trying to keep Spook in the dark about it. He doesn't explain anything. He's just saying, I gave you pewter to get revenge. And then there's also a couple like nefarious Kelsier lines in here that you're like, is that is that really what Kelsier would say? What what's going on, Elliot? Exactly what you just said. I'm highly suspicious that it is not Kelsier's voice. We got a dude with a bit of metal embedded in him who now has powers that he didn't have before and a voice speaking to him soon after the spike arrived in his body. I mean, we've seen this before. We've seen some of this before or similar-ish stuff. Marsh, Zane, that bad things happen when people have spikes embedded them and are taking direction from voices. It, I, I it can't be Kelsier. I don't, I don't think it is. No way. It also testament to Brandon's really good character writing. The, the lines we're getting from air quotes Kelsier are, are like three or four words long. They're tiny little like hints. Mm-hmm. And yet, from three words of dialogue, you can go, that's not Kelsier. Like, that, that's, that's a mark of a good author. Yeah. That I feel like I know his character so well that three words spoken by someone, and I can feel pretty confident that it's not the character that I know. That, that's impressive. Or very misleading if I'm completely wrong. Yeah, you seem pretty confident about that. <laughs> I am, rather. Any input, Paul? So, yeah, I, I have a little bit here. So, <laughs> so I didn't catch on until this read-through, which is just my second time reading. I didn't catch on that it was Kelsier, like, taking credit for it. Uh-huh. Uh, like I didn't, I didn't catch the the sword. Like a piece of the sword was left in Spook on the first read through. I must have just missed it. Um, but it is very deliberate to show that it's very deliberate. And this is another. Uh, this is my second time asking, and it's funny because the other time I was asking this was with Tolkien being uh being put in the story. But I'm like, what? Why? You know? And this is a more logical why of like, why would Keltier do this? Not why did Brandis Anderson choose to have another author uh, Easter egg in his book? But I, I honestly don't, I don't understand. I don't understand why Kelsier may want this. I, I don't know if, I don't know if this is really Kelsier. You know, right. I think that's honestly the logical choice for me right now. Is this is not actually Kelsier? Maybe this is the act, an act of ruin, and maybe ruin is trying to get spook to become an inquisitor or something like that right now i don't actually believe that this is kelsier kelsier is a bit chaotic but 
I don't know that I think he would be this chaotic, I guess. So, yeah, I'm not sure why. But it is very deliberate in showing that. I also thought while reading this, I was like, so does this mean that, like, basically any sword that has killed someone, I guess killed an Alamancer, is now like a hemallergic spike, effectively? Like, does it have the, that property? That's so, actually something that I was thinking about with that. So if you notice, the epigraph of either this chapter or the chapter right before it talks about how the place where the hemallergic spike is placed is really important. And it, it dictates what power you get. So, no. To answer your question, the, I, I would conclude that you have to use metal to spear a misting, an alamancer, through the heart specifically, and then pierce someone on a specific part of the body. So, either Spook got really lucky and got pierced in the right spot, or there was some sort of divine intervention that caused Sword to go straight through Heart and pierce him at a specific spot. So, it's, it is possible that the voice Kelsier here did does get to take credit for giving him pewter. He's just not telling him all the specifics of... I gave you a hemorrhagic spike in your shoulder that's giving you pewter. Because he deliberately doesn't tell, or or the voice deliberately doesn't tell Spook what is going on here. All he says is, leave the sword in, or something like that. I don't remember what he says, but Spook goes to, like, pull it out of his shoulder, and the voice yells at him. The voice seems very demanding and insistent mm. in a way that I don't recall Kelsier being. I've only read Final Empire once now. But Kelsier was driven, very driven, with clear ideals, but he, he didn't force people to do things that I recall. He he was very much on the I'm gonna lead you in the right direction, but you still have to make the choice. That that's not the vibe I'm getting from this voice in Duke's head. What's the one thing that they all remember most about Kelsier that they talked about in this book? If he was here, what would he tell us to do? What what do they remember him most for? Smile. Smile. Laugh. Enjoy each other's company. Is that this voice? Doesn't feel like it. No. That's and, a really good point. And specifically, Spook is absent from that meeting. Spook is not there at that meeting. Everybody else is, and he is not. I, I want to point out, too, that Spook is now on this whole, I knew Kelsier, these people don't, they're misinterpreting his words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that because I know the real Kelsier. And yet, if these theories are correct, he clearly did not know Kelsier as well as he thought he did. Right. Because there's a voice in his head that it seems clear to me is not Kelsier, is impersonating Kelsier, and Spook is falling for it. Yeah. I agree with you. Spook is so sure that he actually pulls Sazed aside and tells Sazed, yo, the, the Church of the Survivor's right. 
Kelsier's looking after us. And Sazed is not buying it at all because he's on his atheistic arc, um, first of all, and also doesn't believe or didn't believe in any specific religion when he wasn't. So he's like, yeah, there's plenty of religions that would teach that, but I don't believe in any of them. And I don't think, and you knew Kelsier. Kelsier was just a man. Why do you think he's here? And Spook doesn't really give him an answer, um, which also might lead me to a headcanon theory of the voice tells spook not to explain why explain why to uh to say it if if we're getting full on voices not kelsier voices evil train um but spook does not explain to say why he thinks kelsier's still with them um but yeah says doesn't believe so at all elliot you have a vin quote on the outline what is it? Oh, you ready? You ready for it? I'm ready for it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk for a bit on this one. Okay. If you've been listening to our podcast for any amount of time here since we started Mistborn, pretty early on, close to day one of Mistborn, I envisioned what I desperately hoped would be the story arc for our main hero, Vin. You you meet Vin as this super downtrodden, taken advantage of, has led a really unfortunate life, you know, street urchin, basically, to to the point where she's so beat down that she has like no self esteem whatsoever. She thinks she deserves the terrible life that she has, basically. Mm. And from from the start, I was just desperate for vin to see the value in herself like it's it's just it was breaking my heart reading about vin seeing zero self-worth in herself and so as soon as we met that vin i was i was thinking to myself i, I so badly want to see her go on that journey of discovering that she has worth and i was definitely didn't see it by the end of book one I think we talked about that. I, I, I definitely know I talked about that. We didn't really see it in book two, even. There, there was definitely progress. She grew in confidence, and she started to contribute a lot. But she never had that moment where she finally realized that she herself has value. And so I was coming into this book thinking, all right, this is probably my last chance to get that, that character arc for Vin. Assuming that it would come at the end of the book, I think we just got it here. I think we just got it as they're walking into this ball at Yeoman's place. Yeah. Let, let me just read you. Let me just read you this little description. They waited on the servant, and Vin realized that she'd begun holding her breath. It seemed as if she were reliving a dream, or was it a fond memory? For a moment, she was that same young girl of three years before, arriving at Keep Venture for her very first ball, nervous and worried that she wouldn't be able to play her part. Yet she felt none of that same insecurity. She didn't worry if she'd find acceptance or belief. She'd slain the Lord Ruler. She'd married Ellen Venture. 
and more remarkable than either accomplishment, somehow among the chaos and mess, she discovered who she was. Not a girl of the streets, though that was where she'd been raised. Not a woman of the court, though she appreciated the beauty and grace of the balls. Someone else. Someone she liked. And then it carries on with the scene. And they, they enter into the, into the ball. And I, I didn't cry, but like the, the tear started to form. It was like, ah, that was it. And it referenced directly in one of the scenes I feel like we talked about with all of her insecurity going into that very first ball and how wearing the dress kind of gave her this false confidence. Vin kind of goes through this journey in the first book of she feels that confidence, but it's not really real. She doesn't feel the value in herself. I think she does now. It was a really heart-touching moment, kind of buried in the midst of a more lighthearted chapter. You should narrate books, Elliot. When I listened oh. to uh, Michael Kramer read that, granted I'm listening at like 1.4 speed, so maybe it loses <laughs> a little bit of the art. But when I listened to Michael Kramer deliver that line, it doesn't. it didn't deliver for me the same way that you just did. You did a great job there. No, that is you. really high praise. Michael Kramer is a fantastic reader. I, this is a side note, but I've begun the audiobook for Elantris recently, and it's not Michael Kramer and Kate Redding. And the, the I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but it, he does a fine job, but it's just not the same. It's no Michael you know, Kramer. I, I, it's no Michael Kramer, so. Anything else for the episode gentlemen we do have a stormlight refresher to get to but anything else for mistborn i think we covered everything i had i'm i'm pretty freaked out about spook at this point yeah i, I don't think we're going in a good direction with spook that that's where my takeaway from a lot of these chapters is it's it's getting a little hairy it does have all the makings of the the bad story right he was the guy the boy who wasn't chosen by the girl, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's got all the supervillain archetype things going for him. You know, feels like he doesn't, you know, isn't useful. He's a ten eye. He's not impactful like the thugs and the Mistborn and stuff like that. You know, he's got all the makings of the. He's got the inside scoop. You know, he's got all the makings of of the great villain. Something I'm very excited for for next week is the ball, the party that Vin and Ellen just walk into. If there's one thing I remember from the Hero of Ages, it's this ball that they're about to walk into. So I am very much looking forward to talking about that next week. But before we get that, oh, any Stormlight stuff, gentlemen, before we go into our Stormlight refresher? Anything that you read that you want to tie into Stormlight? Next episode. Oh. I'm going to say, I don't have anything really for this week. It was fairly narrative, fairly straightforward, and fairly like specific to our world that we are in here in, in Mistborn. All right. Stormlight Refresher, gentlemen. You ready? I ready as I'm going to be. Ready as I will ever be. Paul. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Paul, you are trailing one to two. And you will lead this week. Our first question is a chapter name. And you need to give me a brief summary of what happened in the chapter. And no pressure. No pressure. 
But these these next two, the the one for Paul here and then the one for Elliot next week, I have gone a little bit more mainstream. I have not picked the random chapter. I've gone a little bit more mainstream so that you can get one of these points. So no pressure. I, I'm giving you an easier one. You ready? No, Paul, I'm not. Your chapter name is Droplets. Droplets. I know Elliot is going second, but I'm going to talk myself through this a little bit. Okay. Initial guess. I was actually thinking of the scene where where Kaladin and Shalon are stuck in the edge of the wall. Okay. Because I know it's like a big rainstorm coming in. Uh-huh. But that's not that's not my answer because I don't actually think that chapter the chapter surrounding that is called Droplets. <laughs> I don't know what Droplets is. So that's where I'm stuck. I don't think it's that, but that's what popped into my mind. Oh, dear. You know what? I, I really can't think of another relevant example, so I'm going to stick with that. It's 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 the chapter where it's the chapter where Kaladin and Shalon are in the wall where the storm is coming in. Incorrect. Okay. Elliot? I'm going to go for a different rain scene. Although I'm starting to second guess that this not, is not even rain at all, but the, there's another rainy scene that I can think of that Trevor might be apt to pick, which is Paladin and Tien, I want to say sitting on the roof of their house in the rain, having a conversation. I don't remember if that's when, like, the little the rock collection, the stones, like, come out that Tien is talking about. I remember a piece of artwork that I've seen that depicts mm-hmm. this scene that's yep. uh, pretty pretty ingrained in my, my head. Incorrect. So thank goodness because I thought of that afterward and I was like, dang it, I bet it's that chapter because it's the droplets. I was like the not the high storm, it's the it's like the soft rain, the, the weeping. The oh, weeping. Yeah. That's what I'm looking for. And I remember that scene was a good weeping scene. Anyways, I'm really relieved that that wasn't it, because I realized I so thought of that too late. You both are on the right tone where it's raining, but not a high storm. And we're having a heart-to-heart with someone. Kaladin walks to the honor chasm. And Syl delivers him the black mane leaf because she thinks that's what he wants because he lost it in the slave wagon. Kaladin decides not to commit suicide and he needs to save Bridge 4. That is the end of part one of The Way of Kings Droplets. That's an iconic scene. It's seriously called Droplets. Droplets. I need to read the title. Uh, yeah, that, that, that actually cracks me up because I did not remember the title Droplets anywhere. I mean, it, it probably should be called The Honor Chasm. Let's be honest. Uh, yeah, you'd think so, honestly. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right. Elliot, use your quote ID. And for this week, we have a bonus that if both of you get the incorrect answer, I will then read the response, and you have a second try, um, both of you. So here's the first. Here's the first line goes to Elliot. Don't give me that noble talk. It works fine for others, but I know you for the ruthless bastard you really are. Oh, I can think of. I can think of three or four dialogues that this might sl- slot into. 
this is kind of sounds like Sabario, but I don't necessarily want to go for that because I can't think of who he would say that to. Although maybe. I'm going to go with... I'm not sure exactly what scene this would be in, but I want to say this is Adolin to Sadius. Someone's Ooh. talking to Sadius. Someone's okay. talking to Sadius. But I can't think of when. Dalinar's not quite that blunt. It's Adolin. It's Adolin to Sadius. Incorrect. Paul. That's tough for me because I thought that was correct. Do you want me to read it again? Yeah, go right ahead. Well, a quick a quick reread. Don't give me that noble talk. It works fine for others, but I know you for the ruthless bastard you really are. So honestly there's a word that's throwing me off because I thought this might be talking to a woman, but with the word bastard, I don't think it is. You know? Sure. You know, I'm going to go kind of a wild card answer here. I'm going to say that this is Elokar talking to Dalinar. That Dalinar is, you know, clever, he's honorable and all the things, but Elokar doesn't necessarily have that level of respect that someone else may have because he knows his past. That's my final answer. Incorrect. Here's the response. Oral, there is so much more to the world than your squabbles. You're right about me, of course. Take the admission with the understanding that you, above all others, I can speak the truth. Alethkar needs to be strong for what is coming. It's Paul or me guessing first. It is to Elliot. Who knows that? Amram? Amram. Amram to Sadius. Correct. Amram to Sadius. So the first quote is Sadius talking. Elliot, you were half you were backwards right on your yeah. on your answer. And then yes, someone is talking to Sadius in the second part. So yes, this is Sadius and Amram talking. Amram had re has returned to the Shattered Plains and is crowned the leader of the Knights Radiant um by yep. Dalinar. And he has the entire world fooled except for Kaladin and Sadius. All right, one half a point for that one. <laughs> no, I'll give you it's one point for Elliot. This goes to Paul. Here's your review for the week. You need to tell me what they rated it and what they're talking about. I just finished Redacted. I was both <laughs> satisfied and disappointed. Satisfying because this book was absolutely astonishing in every way that I expected it to be. Disappointing because I wanted it to be longer, even though it took me over two weeks to finish it. What can I really say about Redacted? Questions that I have waited for years for answers were finally answered. All of my favorite characters were amazing as usual, and Sanderson still keeps on developing a 10 out of 10 solid epic fantasy world with intriguing and full-fledged characters in a world filled with great magic and despair. I just don't know how to write a proper review for this without leaving out important bits and 
without, sorry, let me read that again. Don't know how to write a proper review for this without leaving out important bits and things here. All I can say is the series is long with 15 O's and can be rough to get through at times, but it is so satisfying to read and you have to, you have to read some of Sanderson's other books in the Cosmere universe. Then this book will blow your mind with how complex it is within the Cosmere and how it all relates. So the last part actually has me rethinking. I know this. I, I'm assuming that this is. So I don't know anything about the Miss Bornera two, but what I do know is the last book of Miss Bornera two is supposedly has the most crossover. So the end of that makes me think that that's a possibility. But since we've never read the book, I don't think you, Trevor would pull that much of a fast one on us. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I didn't think so. I didn't think so. So. I'm going to go with my gut and what I was thinking earlier. I think this, I think he rated it a five out of five. Okay. Loves the book. And I, I'm going to go with Oathbringer as okay. the book. I was debating a lot and I may deliberate later on, but I'm going to let Elliot guess before I say much more. Okay. Five stars for Oathbringer. Over to you, Elliot. It's the exact same thought process that I'd gone through and the exact same answer that I think I've gotten to in my head. Five Which stars. that's fine. I don't know if that's against the rules, but I think that's fine. I'm I'm trying to strategize yeah, if little, I need to like little go gamesmanship here now. Answer. <laughs> does he, does he defend just... his one nil lead or does he go out for a different answer? It Oathbreaker feels like the right book. Okay. They 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 just finished the, the ridiculous Sander Lanch and on that high of endorphins or oxytocin or whatever it is, <laughs> they jumped onto Goodreads to to just dump those emotions into a into a review. It definitely Oathbringer. Feels like it has the energy of a five star. I I can't talk myself out of that. Oathbringer five star. It's understandable. You both are correct. This is a five-star rating of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson, written two weeks after Oathbringer came out in December of 2017. <laughs> so somebody Dedication. was waiting. Somebody was waiting for a long time for uh, Oathbringer, and finally got it, and was not disappointed. I almost said Rhythm of War, but my my initial guess was definitely Oathbringer. But then at the end, it talking about how it's really long in parts, like makes me think Rhythm of War. Of like it's it has a lot more details and stuff. But I'm like, if you're this excited about it right now, and you've waited, you've been actively waiting. Like you're probably a longer time Brandon Sanderson fan. Then I had to go with Oathbringer. So glad glad that worked out. All right, three to two, uh, in favor of Elliot. Going into the final question, and Elliot leads. Elliot, what is light day on the Voren calendar? Light day? Light day. One word, light day. What is light day on the Voren calendar? It is... Uh, I'm going to go with a slightly oddball answer, because I can't think of anything better. And I remember there being some random references to this. It's uh, it's a day of the week. Incorrect. Maybe the first day of the week? I don't know. Incorrect. Day of the week. So my 
Is, is it my turn? It is. So, my joke, this is not my actual answer. My joke is that's Shalon's birthday because she's also Light Song. Oh, uh, yes. So she just ah, coined her birthday light as day. Light Day. Yeah. Um, my answer, which may not be correct, my answer to this is that this is the day after a high storm comes through because all the spheres are recharged and everything like that. Um, either that or like, well, no, they wouldn't call it the day that the high storm is there, but I think it's, I think it has to do with the, all the spheres and everything being recharged by the high storm. So that's what I'm saying is it's the day after a high storm comes through. Incorrect. So Roshar is on a two year cycle. One year is a thousand days, and at the end of the thousand days, there is the weeping. And every other year, there's a high storm in the middle of the weeping. So there's like three weeks of rain, high storm, three weeks of rain. Okay? And then it goes back to high storms every like nine days or whatever it is. Um, Light day is the opposite year where there is three weeks of weeping one sunny day with no high storm and three weeks of rain so it is light day is the one day of no high storm year in the middle of the weeping consequently the day that they arrive at the middle of the shattered plains when it's not supposed to be raining but ends up there's two storms on light day and that's like a big deal for like their forecast of like oh the world's ending okay there you go there's light day all right. We are three one up for Elliot going into next week. Thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. Squeaked it out. See you next time. Absolutely. I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs>